On today's Spotlight on KRWC, we reserve the third Wednesday of each month for visits with the members of the Wright County Board of Commissioners, and we do that on a rotating basis throughout the course of the year. And our guest today from the County Board is County Commissioner Derek Vetch, who joins us here in November. Derek, good morning to you. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing I'm well. A spicy day. Yeah, been an interesting week here so far. It has. I, we're getting our uh, winter wheels all ready and getting our bearings <laughs> on driving the roads safely uh, reacclimated. Right. That's right. How the um, uh, how the county uh, trucks been doing out on the roadways? They've been pretty busy here. They that they have. It came up on a hurry. I don't. Th- you know. I don't think you can ever be ready for it when it starts this early, but. Uh, we're often doing what we usually do in the winter, plowing the roads and salting them up. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we'll get a little break here next week and warm up a, a slight amount, so that'll be all right. We haven't talked with you for a while, and uh, since we last talked and since we last talked to uh, anybody from the Wright County Board, we've had some pretty significant things going on. First and foremost, the elections, and uh, that was a... It was an interesting election cycle, and three seats were up for uh, the vote in the Wright County area. Well, not since 2012 have we had this uh, this large of a turnover on the county board. So uh, starting in January, we'll be welcoming three new commissioners, uh, Tina Dietrich, Jeannie Holland, and uh, Nadine Shane, which is wonderful. I look forward to working with them. Uh, Going to be uh, it's always exciting to have uh, some new faces and some uh, new perspectives. So uh, more to come on that and come to be in the year. But look forward to it. Uh, but in addition to that, we'll be having to say goodbye to uh, Commissioner Hewson, Commissioner Dalleiden, and Commissioner Wetter. Uh, the ten years of service by Commissioner Hewson and Dalleiden have been greatly appreciated. We I will greatly miss their knowledge and their camaraderie. Uh, we've we've been through uh, a lot of different predicaments over the years, uh, and uh, those memories uh, I will uh, cherish. So, wish them the best uh, when that is, as well as Commissioner Wetter. I will miss the short time I had with her, but uh, she did bring a lot of good information and perspective. Yeah, that was um, uh, a little bit of a different situation for uh, Commissioner Wetter as. Um, she kind of was, you know, forced by redistricting to run again for a newly drawn uh, District 4, and so uh, ended up uh, losing in that particular election to uh, Nadine Shane. So um, the other two, now, um, that was a situation where, uh, well, District 3, um, Commissioner Daleiden's um, seat and uh, Commissioner Hewson's seat in District One, both of those um, were un- well, they were contested races, but uh, open because the incumbents did not run. Yes, both of them are uh, seeking retirement, so uh, they they were two open seats. They very tightly fought races on both of them uh, between Terry Streggy and Tina Dietrich, and then between uh, former Commissioner Michael Potter and Jeannie Holland. So some interesting races and and pretty good uh, attendance at the voting box. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, whatever you've got for background on how the uh, early voting in person there at the government center as well as the uh, by mail went, if you've got anything on that. You, you know, it's, the pattern has continued year after year. We've seen an uptick 
on the percentage of early voting. Uh, I don't have the final numbers, but I'm projecting it's uh, going to be, you know, over that 25% of the population is voting earlier, but I don't have the final uh, definitive percentage on it. But I would project that it's going to be somewhere in that that 25% uh, area. Yeah, I took advantage of the uh, early voting in person at the government center, so I can say that it was very smooth. Um, no really waiting much at all on the particular day that I, I went in kind of mid-afternoon on a weekday, you know, middle of the week, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not, but uh, there were some people there, but it was a steady flow, you know, and really no problem. Um, I'm this, you know, it's, it, for me, that works out well because, um, not that I couldn't probably, you know, squirrel away some time to get to the polls, but it works better this way. Uh, that way, I'm kind of freed up to be at the station for all of the election night stuff. So, and I'm I, a, that's a good point, uh, I suppose. Yeah, that's a busy day for you. It is. You, you always forget what the media has to, to do on that day. <laughs> it is, but I, I'm assuming that you know, lots of other folks are kind of in similar situations, and uh, maybe that's one of the reasons of the popularity of of, uh, you know, the early voting. Now, one thing that it's, uh, it does kind of do is, uh, you know, it sort of takes that last-minute decision-making out of the, que- out of the uh, element because, uh, obviously, you got to know who you're, you're voting for uh, ahead of time. It's definitely changed uh, the way campaigning's been done now that people are voting weeks in advance. Uh, in versus just on that one day, you don't have that ramp up of uh, a campaigning perspective where you have to just get so much information out in the last 48 hours. Well, now you have to kind of uh, more strategize on how to get that information out over more of a four, five, six-week period of time, knowing that there's a large percentage of the population that is voting prior to Election Day. Yeah. Makes it interesting. Uh, one more thing before we leave the elections uh, here, and that is now uh, when you came on the board, I believe that was a part of, uh, there were a lot of newcomers at that particular time too, weren't there? Uh, no, I was the only new one uh, okay. in my election. I was the uh, filling the retirement of Mr. Uh, former Commissioner Swatsky. Right, seat. right. It was yep. it was the cycle before that that uh, a bunch of new folks came in. That they had four new ones. Yeah, yeah where they had Commissioner Burrell, Dalai, and Hewson and Potter all kind of came in at the same time. Yeah. That, that was yep the big turnover there. Uh, with saying uh, Commissioner Potter, I want to take a quick second to uh, congratulate him on a very nice prestigious award. Uh, he got the Transportation Advocacy Award by the Transportation Alliance, which is a uh, a statewide organization that uh, advocates for road work and road projects uh, across the uh, region. Excellent. Yeah, he's certainly, uh, certainly deserving of that. Did a lot of hard work uh, in the years he was on the board, for sure. Um, one more thing uh, before we leave uh, this particular topic now with three newcomers coming on board uh it does leave some question marks how how will it be decided as far as committees and things like that and and um how will that be divided up do you know yet so it's usually a kind of a in the past it's kind of kind of played a seniority route uh, the more senior commissioners kind of it's an honorary thing of working down the list and kind of those that have already been on the committee's assignments can keep the ones they got or 
have first pick. Um, not to say that, that it's not etched in stone. So a lot of it will be we're sending out all those committee assignment information to the new commissioners right now so they can kind of get a feel of what they are and what they might be interested in. Uh, that first meeting of the year, this year might be a little bit longer as we kind of go through all them and explain what those different committees are and try to find good fits for everyone. Is there a an orientation type period uh, prior to... Um to being um, sworn in for for these newcomers, so we definitely try to get them in the in the building and get them toured around and uh, sit down with them and kind of educate them on the different aspects of the job and to educate them on the different committee assignments prior to that actual first meeting. We do have a nice handbook that we give them and to get them acclimated with their office and get them set up with their email and phone and all of that information prior to it. So, yes, there's a there's a pretty good onboarding system for them. Excellent. Well, they'll uh, be hitting the ground running here. A lot of things coming up, so it'll be uh, it'll be a good challenge for everybody. Um, let's move on to some other topics. I know you want to talk about uh, the gravel ordinance and uh, some of the things that the board's been working on there. Yeah, so we uh, did, we're kind of in step one of two involving the uh, gravel ordinance and gravel tax. Uh, so we've been reviewing the gravel tax, and we uh, just made an ordinance amendment and adopted it. Really, the uh, adoption of the, the modification to the ordinance was allow the county to have a mechanism to access those uh, special reserve funds. So the of all the aggregate tax that's collected in the county, a percentage of it goes into a uh, special reserve fund for reclamation of abandoned pits. But because the previous ordinance never had uh, any language that would illustrate how those funds could be um, executed or be accessed, uh, they were never accessed. So they kind of grew to a pot of money that is more than should be in there and there's pits that need to be reclaimed that uh, would fit for this fund. So modifying that ordinance now actually creates a mechanism that annually uh, townships or other abandoned pits can apply to get some of these funds uh, up to $15,000 with a 50, or 50% match uh, for reclamation of abandoned pits or pits that are uh, municipally operated. And uh, what else is, uh, can you talk at all about the, the terms of the new ordinance or just a general overview of, of what kind of changes um, uh, we'll be seeing? So, yeah, so the gravel work group is the, so the other part of it, the other phase two, which is still operating, is the actual gravel ordinance. And we are taking our time and kind of reviewing a variety of different topics from hours of operation to the definition of gravel operations, secondary uses, IUPs versus CUPs, notice requirements, and setbacks. Uh, so a lot of this came up as the original gravel ordinance that we're operating under right now is largely a uh, language that was adopted in the late 70s, early 80s, and hasn't been uh, modified for decades. And hence is why we've taken the, uh, the last six months and we'll be probably for the next three, four months ahead here yet, taking our time and working through each of these different aspects of the ordinance and hopefully coming up with a new and uh, revised ordinance that will operate for the county for years to come. 
All counties are a little bit different, but do you take into consideration or maybe use as a kind of a template or at least investigate uh, what other counties are doing or some of the uh, language and some of the things that they're uh, adopting for gravel in their counties? We have absolutely done that. We have looked at Sherburne County's ordinance, Stearns County's ordinance. We've looked at uh, Crow Wing County's ordinance. Uh, so we've taken a variety of different counties' ordinances, and every county, when it comes to regulating uh, gravel and mining operations, they all do it a little bit different. So it's trying to find one that works well for what you have and isn't too much of a drastic change because you, you kind of set a, a, a benchmark when you create that original ordinance, and you when you change it, there's only so much you can change with it without creating uh, other issues. County Commissioner Derek Vetch, our guest on today's Spotlight. Uh, I know you want to talk about energy a little bit and some changes there. Well, yes. Yeah, so uh, if anybody doesn't know, you know, we have the Monticello Nuclear Plant here in Wright County, uh, which is a pretty hefty uh payer of property taxes uh, to the tune of over $17 million in property taxes. So of the $90 million levy in the county, 17, or sorry, of the $90 million in the county's levy, $7.1 million of that comes from the Monticello nuclear plant. And between the cities, school, and county, the, the Monticello nuclear plant pays a little over $17 million in total in property taxes. Uh, so they are uh, a big reason why we want to make sure that we work with them to help make them sustainable and operate. Uh, for that reason, I uh, applied and was uh, graciously appointed onto the Energy uh, Transition Advisory Committee. So the Energy Transition Advisory Committee was a committee that was created by the legislator uh, in a previous session to look at the transition of power plants over the decades ahead. Uh, so as the power companies, the federal government and state government is has this initiative to go carbon-free, they realize that that means it's going to be a change to a lot of our communities that have coal plants and other different types of power that is now being deemed, um, I'm going to say, undesirable. Uh, and so this advisory com- committee was tasked with looking at what does it do to the tax base of these communities? What needs to be done from a community engagement perspective? What needs to be done with these workforces at these power plants that have hundreds of employees? And what should we do with the reuse of this asset? And then what can be done for an economic diversification to mitigate some of the economic impacts of the closure of these facilities? We weren't asked to look at the whether we should close a, a coal plant that was not in our purview is more to we are going to do this or it is happening so what needs to be done to mitigate that so we had come up with a, a variety of different uh, mechanisms and tools that the state needs to be done and the local governments need to be done and we finally adopted that plan to send back to the legislator at the end of october i'm sure that was a uh, very interesting uh, committee to uh, to sit on and continue to uh, to work with as as you say these are going to be some far-reaching changes and lots of far-reaching effects too for communities that host these plants or counties in this case well it, it, especially we're going to feel it here even in our area because when you close a power plant like uh, the Sherco plant and there's you know hundreds of employees three four hundred employees that work there and not necessarily do they all live in Becker they they live in the surrounding areas 
and you know you hope it, that they can find similar like jobs that uh, pay the same and would be able to keep them living in our area. But that's not always sustainable, um, especially in an operation uh, like the, the Sherco plant that pays 65% of the uh, tax capacity for the city of Becker. Yeah, now uh, XL I know has uh, talked about you know doing a couple of different things, including a solar facility and and some other things. But again, they, it's likely that it'll be you know considerably less as far as the employment and things like that uh, than the the former plant once that's completely done. And, and you know, and that's the it's going to be a large change to the landscape of our area and from a tax perspective, from a workforce perspective, and definitely a change in our how our energy is generated. And there's a lot that has to be thought about in the short term and long term. Let's finish up here today, if we can, uh, Derek, on um, some information that people will be interested in on uh, Department of Motor Vehicles and uh, some testing facilities that are coming back to our area. Yes, so uh, I, I've been a strong advocate for uh, getting more uh, motor vehicle services testing uh, accessibility to citizens. Uh, it's been terrible over the uh, past five, almost ten years now, uh, especially it's gotten to the point now where people are driving to Bemidji, Mankato, uh, Alexandria to take road tests. Uh, so having been working uh, hard with uh, the DPS, uh, Department of Public Safety, and working hard with uh, the legislator, it looks like uh, Buffalo is po- uh, posed to get a uh, full-time testing facility in the next year here, coming in 2023. There's no defined open date yet at this time, but they will be operating a facility that would offer uh, everything from Class B to Class A license Monday through Friday full-time. So that will give a lot more access to appointments uh, closer to home for a lot of the citizens in Wright County, and I'm happy to see that that happened. It's a much-needed service that people are spending way too much time and driving way too far to take these tests currently. And uh, we talked a little bit uh, prior to the program here. It doesn't uh, sound like it would be located at the government center so much as uh, kind of a central location in Buffalo, the way it looks. Yeah, and, uh, right now it's looking like it's probably going to be uh, close to the old Health and Human Services building area. All right. Well, we'll look forward to uh, confirmation on that and uh, a big announcement. And, yeah, you're right, a lot of people have been putting on a lot of miles to get a to get a driver's test so uh, it'll be nice to keep that at home here that is so true i I hear it all the time i see people taking pictures of their kid with their first license in uh greater minnesota (laughs) as shocking as it is (laughs) well derek we're going to uh, wrap up there we appreciate your time here today and uh, when we talk again we'll we'll have a new uh, look to the county board and we'll uh, be bringing our listeners up to speed on some of the things that are going on. Leave us with a uh, contact number or uh, information, too, about the board meetings, if you if you can. Yes. Uh, if anybody has any questions, uh, always feel free to call, give me a call at uh, 682-7687. Happy to navigate your uh, questions or your concerns or get you the information you need. Thank you, everyone. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a great holiday season if we don't talk to you before then. You as well, Tim. We'll right. talk again soon. Thank Thanks. you. Derek Vetch, Wright County Board of Commissioners, our guest on today's Spotlight on KRWC.